You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the geek's watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome to another week on The Geek's Watch. We are talking Stranger Things Season 2 still because um, it's awesome. Um, We haven't, well at least I still haven't binge-watched the whole thing. John has watched the whole thing. I think pretty much everybody in the world has, except for me now. Like Everybody's probably finished it up and... And has moved on to other things, but we're gonna. I'm taking it one episode at a time, one episode a week, and uh, it's it's excruciating. It's excruciating, John. It's excruciating. Oh, just wait till you see what the next episode has in store. Well, that's today. We are talking episode four, Will the Wise, or is it chapter four? Yeah, I think they could break it up as chapters. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Before we get to that, let's go ahead and talk a little bit, some geek news, and maybe you know we'll also talk about uh, Justice League, which came out. And did you watch Punisher? No, I have not watched Punisher yet. It's okay. on my to-do list. Well, I'm uh, I'm ten episodes in. I've I've completed ten episodes out of thirteen on that show. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it yet. Yeah, one of my coworkers says that uh, it probably didn't justify 13 episodes, but it was okay. You know, and I'll have to say this about all the Marvel Netflix shows, none of them really justify 13 episodes. Like, well, which Defenders is only eight episodes, but there are definitely episodes that could have been cut or everything could have been... I think I think if it, they just kept it all to 10 episodes, it would have been perfect. For all those shows, then then again, I think Jessica Jones is the per- is a perfect show as is. There's there's maybe a little bit that I would cut out from that, but I I enjoyed that show. I think the most out of all the Netflix show, uh, the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed Jessica Jones. Uh, about as much as Daredevil season one. Yeah. Season two gets a little weird. Um, <laughs> there was one thing I would cut out from Jessica Jones though. Is like I don't know how I feel about that weird cop character. Nuke? Uh, is that who he is? That's who he's supposed to be in the comic book. He's uh, something Samson, Simpson, something like that. I think but it was yeah. Simpson. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he's, he's Nuke from the comic books. He's uh, the, like that pill that he takes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, I thought that was an interesting part that he was he was somebody. I, I guess so. I just didn't really, I was just confused by the whole thing, I guess. I didn't realize that he was an actual character. And uh. just something random that happened that like why is this happening <laughs> uh yeah no that's uh, it, i think it, the the some of the marvel netflix shows i think they really they do a good job of just slipping in uh known characters you know sometimes like and they're not they're not the a-list characters so it's not like oh steve rogers just showed up you know kind of thing it's it's characters like simpson that are it's nuke and you know it's not a character that a lot of people will know but if you're a comic fan you might know 
or like night nurse who i don't think she's ever referred to as night nurse in the sh- any of the shows yet well she did she is in luke cage oh, at one is. point not in any official title or anything like that uh when in luke cage towards the end of the season they are in the nightclub and uh one of the gangsters is like uh, one of the people is bleeding one of the people that's a hostage is bleeding on the floor and Claire is like, I'm a, I'm a nurse. I can help that person. Let me, you know, help them out. And she's, and the other guy says, okay, take the, take the night nurse over to the, the kitchen and let them uh, work on that guy. And that's all. I mean, that's pretty much that was the, the extent of it. So they didn't like Siskify her and be like, you're gonna be the night nurse. No, no, there's no. Uh, it's no. It's not a code name. <laughs> all right. Uh, so yeah. Um, let's go ahead and talk about. Uh, some casting news uh speaking of marvel captain marvel uh which we know is going to be played by brie larson um has went and cast their captain marvel <laughs> i know that sounds confusing but uh, captain marvel the original captain marvel for marvel comics uh uh is going to be played by jude law yeah, he's gonna have a busy year being young Dumbledore and Captain Marvel. Yeah, um, I I don't know how I feel. Like at first, when okay, when they said they were gonna make a Captain Marvel movie, uh, and then they, then they said they were gonna go straight to the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel. It's like, oh well, that sucks that they're not gonna have a, a Marvel, you know. Which, but I understand why they they get a lot of flack about not having enough female superheroes and stuff like that. And Carol Danvers is probably the more interesting character of the two, but how do you get to her without having Marvel in the story? Well, now it looks, sounds like they're going to have Marvel in the story, and we already know the the story is supposed to take place in the '80s, I believe, or maybe it's the '90s, late '80s, early '90s. I heard. Yeah. So um, you're going to have Captain Marvel, uh, Jude Law portraying him, and I assume he's probably going to die and pass the powers on to to or not in that order because he gives powers to carol and then uh he's gonna eventually die like are his powers what keeps him alive or what happens there no you know i'm not too sure i i'm pretty sure to keep carol alive he gave he he got he gave her powers or she got powers um because she was the see and this is where like my knowledge of her from the ultimate universe and then Stuff that's been retconned and changed now. I don't know about her original origins. So I, I want to say that she was going to die because she was part of some kind of government thing. And uh, Captain Marvel, the alien, saved her by imbuing her with some powers. Well, that's nice of him. Yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, then eventually, you know, Rogue steals all of her powers and she goes into the coma and that's why Rogue has the flight and super strength because she got him from from uh, Carol Danvers. Oh, really, it's just that it was always just part of her like skill set. No, no, she all Rogue's powers is just the 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 power stealing, but she held on to Carol Danvers for, for so long that uh, the strength and the and the flight is became permanent. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, that makes more sense than uh, she was just always this overpowered badass. Yeah, so. Uh, but Jude Law as like, I, I was like, why didn't they go with someone younger? Like, not that Jude Law is old or anything. He just got done playing the young Bope in the HBO series. 
this is true. But it's I, I just like I didn't understand why they didn't go with someone younger. But then again, they're probably not going to have that character, you know, go on to the to further in the franchise. He's probably going to be there just to show up in the first movie and die. And does he look uh, like identifiably human, or does, yes. is he going to have? Oh well, I mean, there's two versions of him. There's the the green Cree version of him. Uh, or is he blue? Cree or blue? Yeah, Cree or blue. The uh, scrolls are green. Scrolls are green. Yeah. So he's the blue, but then he also has the the Americana blonde hair look too, which I'm assuming they gave to him to have him fit in with humans and be more extreme. Yeah, <laughs> be more extreme. So uh, I think my the most. I know about Captain Marvel is when it was uh, Marvel's son, Genesville, in the late 90s, early 2000s. So uh, that could be a thing. Interesting. And I know completely nothing about Captain Marvel, either Marvel or Carol Danvers. So um, just kind of interested to see who they're casting and for what reasons. Kind of neat. So, yeah, I'm interested to find out what they end up doing with that character in the movie. Uh, and how it will play play out in the rest of the the Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, kind of want. I wouldn't mind Jula showing up in more stuff, uh, Marvel wise. Maybe he'll. Maybe they'll have him show up in Infinity War somewhere or Avengers Four. I mean, at this point, you you never know with Marvel. They could throw everything in the kitchen sink in there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it would be cool to at some point get like a movie that takes place in the 70s and it has that crazy like uh, old uh, 70s style to it. Basically more spacey Doctor Strange type stuff. I'm sure you would have got, I was going to say, you would have got that in the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah. If anywhere. Some pretty cool black light poster stuff going on there. <laughs> uh, what was the other, there's another story you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, uh, that looks like, um, <laughs> just because I'm interested in things like financials for no real reason, even though it affects me in no way whatsoever, <laughs> uh, just found it interesting to note that they're estimating that Justice League is going to lose Warner Brothers somewhere between 50 to a hundred million dollars. I'm like, wow, that's, that, that's, that's, that's some pocket change right there. That's a lot of money right there. Yeah, um, and the kind of effects that that could have. Now, rumors were swirling around that uh, due to the uh, poor performance, or at least the perceived poor performance of Justice League, that Whedon might no longer be uh, involved in um, a Batgirl movie. Yeah, okay, so superbrosmovies.com <laughs> came out with a, their article that they wrote say, citing a source that they had inside uh, the DC offices uh, saying that um, they that DC Warner Brothers DC had actually asked Joss Whedon a while ago to leave the Batgirl project uh, it's not so much just because of what happened with uh, a poor opening of Justice League now who was it after that another company of i think it was variety came out and said well our sources in the dc offices say that uh no he's working on batgirl right now and everything seems to be copacetic now neither article uh went and actually 
cited their source or you know named them or anything so so we're right back to where we started <laughs> yeah you know and that's that's i mean you know citing your sources is a is uh not something that you have to do um because of you know those things you don't want anybody to get in trouble i guess but you also have to worry if it's actually true if you know there's no accountability for it this is true yeah and um we don't have a very reliable source with uh comic book bro or whatever that was called super so. bros movie super bro movie yeah so yeah it does seem very suspect but i mean it also could be very plausible that's one of the interesting things about it yeah i mean obviously one of the, one of the two is telling the truth <laughs> yeah so Either he is or he isn't so. yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised either way at this point i wouldn't be surprised either way either but i would i would say that's a shame not to let joss whedon make a batgirl movie like this is a guy who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer and did that show for eight seasons, seven or eight, yeah, eight, eight or ten seasons. I don't know, somewhere around. Not that. counting the spinoff. Not count, yeah, that's not counting Angel, and then you know also a comic book that that crew, that went on with that's the right. series after the went off the air. So yeah. he knows how to write and portray uh, strong heroine characters. I would say the don't need no man. Well, I mean, I, I I don't know. It's just, I think it's interesting that um, that there's been so much backlash on to him. Well, one, after Age of Ultron, there was the whole, like, backlash because of the Black Widow stuff that happened in Age of Ultron. Yeah, that, because she was sad that she couldn't have babies. Right. And then, you know, after justice league now people are saying that he ruined Zack snyder's vision of what justice league should have been man that's debatable (laughs) (laughs) it's very debatable you have to i mean i you know i would say too that if it if the opening weekend for justice league had gone the other direction you would have had a whole bunch of people just praising like there are half the people that are, I think right now there's half the people that are saying, well, you know, it was jo- it was Zack Snyder's movie that couldn't be saved, even with the great Joss Whedon coming in, and then there's the other half saying that there was, you know, the great Zack Snyder's movie was was ruined by Joss Whedon coming in. Yeah. So it, it it's it's so strange that after Batman v Superman, you would have all these people talking about how we need to get Zack Snyder out of here. We need to have uh, you know, he needs to be taken away from the DC properties altogether. And now you have a whole petition of people saying, we need to see Zack Snyder's director's cut, you know, right now that was three hours long. Yeah. Wasn't that like on change.org or something like that? Well, people were petitioning. Yeah. Someone put it up there on change.org, but you can put <laughs> just about anything on change.org. Uh, and I, and I'm not saying that it's the same people that made the two different arguments. I just think, I just find it funny that, you know, both have found their way around the internet to the point that uh, there is articles written about both sides. You know what I mean? Not, I guess that's a good thing though, right? Both sides should always be heard, but these, I'm talking about two different movies now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it just goes to show that you, you'll never be able to make everybody happy. No, you'll never be able. And with the, the power of the internet, their, their voices will be heard. Whoever's not happy. Yeah, it's a loudspeaker for the minuscule. Yes, and the um, lowbrow. And the only problem is, is I think that sometimes that the internet makes it so that 
the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know what I mean? Yeah, you would. Well, I mean, and sometimes it works. I mean, like there was recently a lot of backlash online about something like microtransactions on Battlefront. Right. Which, For EA. Yeah, which caused them to actually kind of backpedal and. Uh, they tried to do some PR for that, and that blew up in EA's face big time. Yeah. So um, it actually got the uh, the microtransactions removed, if temporarily, and it definitely seems to be affecting uh, their stock. I think I even heard, and this is probably just a rumor, but I think I even heard that the suits at Disney uh, even uh, called in EA's reps and were like, "What's going on here? Huh. <laughs> you know, like, what, what, can you explain yourself?" And uh, it led to a much bigger thing where now EA is being investigated in other countries about potentially illegally basically putting in gambling in their games. Wow. So that's kind of interesting that it's bringing about that kind of attention to something that uh, could very well be breaking uh, like national uh, regulations about uh, online gaming. That's, you know, it's... <sighs> I don't know that I I I've been out of playing video games for so long, so it this whole thing didn't even really it didn't register. Yeah, it didn't register with me. But uh, other than the fact that I kept seeing it on social media, well, the really outrageous thing to me because I haven't really kept up. This is like PlayStation Four, Xbox One level gaming right generation, and I mean I'm still like on 360, and even that one's barely working right now. Huh. My main gaming console is literally a Game Boy Advance right now. <laughs> just so I can play Tetris. Um, so I've been a little bit out of the loop. I'm but pretty sure you can play Tetris on your phone at this point. Yeah, but this has got the cool like Nintendo skin on it that's like uh, old NES classic. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, by the way, if anybody wants to give me something for Christmas, uh, NES or SNES classic is not a bad way to go. Uh, there's plenty of them out there now. Yeah, yeah, now there is. I mean, they're all selling them for ridiculous <laughs> amounts of money, but they're out there. Well, if I have a rich benefactor out there somewhere that wants to support my gaming addiction for retro gaming, uh, go right ahead. Uh, if you have a rich said, benefactor out there, you should ask them to help us with the, the the website podcast there. Yeah, help us reach more people. We want to be the first podcast on Mars. <laughs> so anyway, as I was saying, though, somebody pointed out that for Battlefront, it would take something like... Uh, $2,100 or over 80 hours of straight gaming to unlock a character like Darth Vader. And then that's just for the character alone. I think that's not including all the different power-ups you can get or upgrades. So essentially, it's a pay-to-win with a really steep price. And loot boxes are essentially gambling. You pay real money for yeah. a chance at uh, you know, basically what comes down to prizes some of which may be garbage and some of which might be useful, but it you don't get anything really back in return for it other than maybe a slight advantage against another person who doesn't pay any money. So that being said, they took a close look at EA's business practices, and uh, yeah, I think it just, you know, you basically pissed off the wrong fan base, and it became very vocal. <laughs> and it just got very big very fast. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, so it's just, um, I mean, that's 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 an, a developing story that really is going to have an, a big effect, I think, on video gaming here in the future. Now, if people were as passionate about net neutrality as they were about Battlefront and uh, Justice League, then we'd have a whole different conversation right we now. We would be having a whole different conversation. We'll leave that for now. Yeah, yeah we don't need to get into the political talk. I mean... 
please, anybody that understands net neutrality and what the the severe danger that we have coming up right now, you need to contact uh, your representative and, and tell them that we need to keep the net neutrality. I will go and look for that number real fast right now uh, if you want to keep talking, John. Yeah, so the next thing I did want to mention, still on the topic of DC Comics, is uh, Harley Quinn is going to be getting her own cartoon. It uh, seems to be aimed at a slightly older audience. Uh, it doesn't exactly say if it's going to be like R-rated animation or just kind of slightly more risque than a regular children's cartoon. Um, we were speculating earlier, it's probably going to be on the level of Archer, where it's a little bit raunchy, but it's still within confines of like, you know, you can't sh- show or say anything too uh, outlandish. Um, but it's kind of interesting that uh, I believe Margot Robbie will be doing the voice of Harley Quinn in this one. Yeah, that's what I heard, that she would be reprising the voice. I don't see why they feel the need to have to replace uh, Tara Strong. That's just ridiculous, but we yeah. want to keep with the the movies, I guess. And on that note, uh, I don't want to sound like the sexist chauvinist pig that I am, but uh, Tara Strong's a very attractive lady. She is very attractive. Like I don't see why they couldn't do maybe like a live-action version of a uh, Harley Quinn show with her as Harley Quinn. So in the... The, was it Arrow first couple seasons? I think season two or season three. I think it was season two. Yeah, when they, when they were showed Suicide Squad. When they started doing the Suicide Squad yeah. and they had the talks of doing a Suicide Squad t- uh, spinoff show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara Strong was in the Argus jail and she did the voice for um, for Harley. They just didn't show her. It yeah, was, they didn't show was, her face. Yeah, it was, was off like camera or something. Or something. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, but what could have been? What could have been? Uh, okay, the number that I found is for the head of the FCC, um, Ajay, how do you say his name? Say Ajit. Ajit Pai? Yes. Uh, and that number is 202-518-7399. Don't know if that's gonna, this says, uh, you know, some people, to defeat net neutrality, repel one of these men. Must change their vote. So you got Ajit Pai, 202-518-739, Michael O'Reilly, 301-657-9092, and Brendan Carr, 202-719-7305. And just as a, I guess as a quick uh, explanation as to why net neutrality matters, without getting too overly political, this affects your, uh, like, internet bill, basically. Uh, Right now... It's basically you pay one flat rate for internet and you can access everything that's on there. Not counting like your speed or, you know, your uh, how much, uh, you know, gigabytes you use. You still have the same access to everything that's on the net. Uh, With net neutrality being removed, it would essentially become a tiered service where the internet service providers would treat it like it was cable. You would have your standard internet. Then you have your like premium internet, which would let you access, uh, let's say, things like Netflix or other services that are on a higher demand. Um, and you know, let's admit it, a lot of us can see uh, some of the adult stuff online. <laughs> that could be taken away, and it could go the way of, uh, you know, the uh, premium channels on cable TV. You know, you, if you don't mind watching the green garbled. 
uh, distorted porn, then, you know, that might be up your alley. But most people like accessing Pornhub and other such things. I think that's what's really going to make the difference for most people, to be honest. There, there was one tweet that I saw going around that equated everything to porn for people for net neutrality. Oh, yeah. And how, how it will affect it. Uh, it was something to the effect like, you know, not only will it, you know, will your internet service provider, you know, maybe block your porn, but it will also uh, take... Um, note of what porn you're looking at and stuff like that and uh keep that in a file on you on you and stuff i don't know it was it was it was a lot of, it was it was pretty funny but it was yeah. like this is why you guys want to take care of this it's funny but it's true yeah some things in jest are oh here we go that's truths. i think this is net neutrality means corporations can pay and this is by best calb calb or at best bell uh, net neutrality means corporations can't pay to manipulate how you use the internet. A hyphenated, uh, not hyphenated, um, uh, inside brackets, porn. If this <laughs> goes away, not only will all your data, porn habits, be scrutinized by telecom companies, they, they can decide how fast your internet works on certain websites. Your porn won't load. So Yeah. So, so just think about that way. So one more time, the actual FCC number is also two zero two four one eight one zero zero zero. So there you go. That's your piece of uh, I don't know what to call it. Social social uh, public service announcement. Public service now. Thank <laughs> you. Um, go and make sure that you you make your phone call, the phone call that needs to be made. Yes. Uh, but yes, uh, an adult version and I don't know, adult themed seems, makes it sound like it's going to be porn. It's not, it's just <laughs> mo- it mature. It's more mature themed, uh, cartoon, like an archer or uh, Rick and Morty, you know, mm-hmm. things that insinuate sex without actually showing sex, I would assume. Yeah. And I mean, as long as it's like funny, I guess, but really She's not supposed to be funny. She's kind of a tragic character. In a she way. is a tragic character, but there's there's comedy in tragedy. Yeah, that's true. I would say she's still, she's still supposed to be a funny character. I the thing to me with Harley Quinn is, and trust me, I don't want her to stay as a sidekick. But yes, she did start off as a sidekick to Joker. I just don't like how she's become this hero now. Like she's a, it's almost like she's a reluctant hero. She. She goes and saves the day because because she's popular, not because she wants to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Maybe I'm being the sexist pig now. No, yeah, it's true. Uh, like She basically started off as arm candy or just a way to give the Joker something to do in the animated series where she originated from. Mm-hmm. They did give her some more depth in the comics when she was introduced into the uh, actual canon of DC Comics. Right. Um, but yeah, like I always feel that deep down inside, she is not a good person. <laughs> uh, and if she does do the right thing, it's always for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, so that she can get out and see her pudding or mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, now I, I don't get me wrong. I, I always believe in characters can grow and be redeemed. Like that, those are some of my favorite comic books are the ones where the, the villain characters are trying to get redeemed, but her manicness or her psychosis is not doesn't to me seem like she's be trying to be redeemed she's just 
doing things. And it's all because the her character's popular, not because the character calls for it. And I, I guess it's a writing thing. Yeah, I mean, and of course, like anything in comics, it varies from writer to writer. Um, yeah. I've always wondered what her truest motivation really is, other than just being infatuated with the Joker. And I think that's I think that is that is it it's it her truest motivation is the Joker. I mean, now we have to write it so that maybe she, you know, especially with the fact that more people are aware that their relationship isn't a good one that it, it's not something to be idolized he's very abusive towards her he uh, the way that he's always been depicted is not really loving her now they're trying to you know maybe there are some people that are changing it so that he does love her like the way that he was depicted in suicide squad but to me it's always been he he, he it's he, she's his property yeah and i always felt like like the true version of the Joker with her relationship is that he honestly couldn't care less whether she lives or dies. Right. And, uh, it's all, and, and the fact that she can't see that she's just like woefully, uh, like enamored with him, like a puppy. Mm-hmm. And he just takes advantage of that. I'm like that. I mean, there's some reality to that. I mean, cause I've seen things like that in real life. That's pretty mm-hmm. sad. Um, and this is like a heightened version of it, but then, to also make her be like this person who saves the day in Suicide Squad, like it, it was totally not her arc to do that, and yet she's the one that ultimately strikes the killing blow, essentially, or at least a debilitating blow. Um, and how all she wants is the normal life with the Joker. I was like, well, that's not really her, though. No. Like I think she likes things to be exactly how they are, and I don't think she'd know what to do if she had a normal life with the Joker. No. Like she needs that craziness. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, 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 it's going to be on their DC streaming channel, subscription channel, whatever that's going to be. It's good where the Titans show is going to be, where the new young justice season is going to be. Uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of, uh, justice league since we both saw it. Um, first off, what'd you think? Did you think it was good? Did you think it was bad? I thought it was meh. Yeah, I, you know, I'm right there with you. It, it was, it's very meh. It's very mediocre. I, I pre-gamed before going to the movie. I went to Buffalo Wild Wings uh-huh. for a plug, and I gave myself about four uh, Irish car bombs. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, anybody that knows me, uh, you can tell that uh, that's probably one too many. I would say that's probably about three too many, dude, <laughs> but hey, it's okay. Yeah, um, so I thought, okay, this is going to help me enjoy the movie. I was wrong. <laughs> I felt like I was assaulted by the movie. Um, and uh, it did not help with trying to keep track of what was happening. And ultimately, it, uh, it, I think it exacerbated the fact that I could tell where the flaws were. Yeah. And it felt like two different movies Frankenstein together from a four-hour long movie. See, and I, I wouldn't say that I felt like it was two different movies. I just felt like it was one incomplete movie you could also say that too yeah because i mean they made it very clear that uh the warner brothers mandated that it be under two hours right and it was just barely under two hours yes and you can tell that this movie looked like it needed at least another hour and a half it doesn't need another hour and a half look it's it's the same thing i i I get it i get warner brothers because they're like okay you made uh, zack snyder you made man of steel you made Watchmen. you made 
uh, Batman v Superman. These are all fucking super long movies, and there was no need for some of the stuff that was in either one, any three of those movies, any one of those three movies. And I assume that if it, the rumors are true that his his version of the movie of Justice League was about three hours long, there's probably stuff that you could cut out that's not necessary. However, I think they cut out so much in this movie <laughs> yeah. that all you all you're getting are the big points, like the big moments, and you don't have the character moments that we need to care about any of the shit that's going on in the movie. Well, that's exactly right. This felt like a compilation of cutscenes. Yes, it's it, that's exactly what it is. It's you have you have this villain that even comic book readers, like mainstream comic book readers, don't really know. Or, you know, and and I really don't, other than the MacGuffin of having to find, uh, you know, these three mother boxes that are stolen straight from fucking Lord of the Rings. Because, you know, one was given to Atlanteans and one was given to the, the Amazons and one was given to oh, man. we even had a, like a Lord of the Rings flashback. That yeah. Was, that was kind of awesome. <laughs> now, here's the thing, not to cut you off there. I felt like there was some sequences in this movie that really worked. There were some moments that really shined, in my opinion. So the the first battle scene with against uh, Steppenwolf, like not the first battle scene, but the the one in the past where the Atlanteans, yes, and the, yes, the Atlanteans, that. the fucking Amazons, and the Green Lanterns, and the fucking Olympus gods coming down yes. to fight <laughs> the old gods. Yeah, that's yeah, that was a pretty awesome fucking scene. That was so awesome. They could have done so much with that. See, here's the problem. I think that this movie could have been two movies, and it probably was at some point. Um, yeah, this movie should have really been all about like learning about who Stephen Wolf is, and Superman coming back, and that should have been like the big highlight of the movie is them dealing with Superman kind of slightly being disoriented and out of control, mm-hmm. uh, not have him just come back fight with for one scene and then be completely normal the next scene that he's in. Yeah, like just all of a sudden it just wore off. Like, and see, uh, I I think that the the scene where the pseudo justice league have to fight superman i thought that was also another great scene yeah i love that scene that should have been the centerpiece of the movie especially the point where you know the flash is running around and clark turns his head and he's like what the fuck that was so awesome yeah uh, and i love how superman wasn't quite as fast but he was keeping up and flash didn't know what to do with that yeah no he of course not he wouldn't he had absolutely no clue what to do with that now to me they completely get the the idea or the tone or the characterization of the characters all wrong. You got, you got surfer bro Aquaman, who should have been Lobo. He he does. He's he's playing Lobo in the movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jason Momoa. I've always said Jason Momoa would make a great Lobo. The and that's it's exactly what they had him do in this movie. Uh, Aquaman is to me. He should be regal at all times. He should be. Yeah. I'm the king of the fucking ocean. Ocean covers most of the world. You need to bow before me. He basically should have been like first movie Thor. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah. I mean, they basically gave us first Avengers Thor. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, Cyborg is walking around as like this whole I, I hate myself, I hate my life. You know, I wish I had died kind of thing. And to me, he should be more of what. Aquaman was being portrayed as. Yeah, he like, should love his new powers like, not, after some adjustment. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, exactly. After the adjustment. like he, To me, Cyborg is like, fuck yeah, I get to do these cool things. Hey, what's up, bro? Kind of thing, you know? 
Uh, I mean, you could like like jack into the internet with your bare hands. That's awesome. <laughs> and then you had you have the the Barry Allen that they they have showing up, and that's not Barry. At, at anything that's Bart, that's the third Flash, or yeah. I'm sorry, the fourth Flash. Uh, he's all ADD, erratic. You know, not knowing what to do. The whole I just kind of push people kind of thing. That was like, well, we saw in Suicide Squad that he went up against Captain Boomerang and defeated him. Well, he pushed him and ran away. That's he, what it does, you know. He didn't push him in Suicide Squad. Wasn't that what he did? No, I mean, he, what did he, he do? He grabs him, ties him up, and then leaves him for the the cops to get him, or for Amanda Waller to get him. I think. I don't think he just pushes him. See, I don't even remember what Flash did to him. I just remember him saying, uh, uh, you know, I thought you guys had a code of honor or something like that. And Yeah, okay. So maybe it does cut away at the, at, yeah. before anything So happens. the next scene after that, he's tied up. Yeah. Okay. So it still implies more than just pushing. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I get it from the... At least Batman. he didn't draw a dick on his face. Like yeah. he did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, oh, God. I get it, I get it in, in Batman v Superman, like the... the the little video file that we're shown that Batman sends to Wonder Woman or the other way around, uh, you know, you just see the the milk jar or the milk container float in the air while he goes and essentially pushes the guy that's robbing the convenience store out of the way and then comes back. But I don't know. To me, they got that character wrong. Wonder Woman, who you already established in her movie, which everybody loves, uh, myself excluded, I don't hate the movie. I just didn't think it was as great as everybody says. But, uh, well, when you compare it to the others, well, yeah, when you a, compare it's to it's, it's a it, fucking it's on the curve. Yeah, it's, it's it's the most amazing movie ever. But like, you have what they? I don't know. You already established her as this hero and as a leader, and she can do all these things. And I, I guess you could sit there and make the argument argument that it's been seventy years, and and she's, you know, she's left behind the, you know, the she's lived in the secrets like she said uh or lived in the shadows because of steve trevor dying but like i don't know it just seemed like she should have been more battle ready yeah i mean it definitely makes the case that like steve trevor's death kind of put her in a deep depression and that's why she stayed basically out of world war ii and everything else that followed until superman's uh doomsday battle i mean that's a lot of a that's... lot of wars to stay out of, and then and then to just show up during Doomsday, yeah, that that is weird. Yeah, cause, and then it made me think back. Then why did she reappear in Gotham at the time that she did? Well, she just and wanted was, the picture. It was only for the picture. I'm like, wow, like she's really but, holding on to Steve Trevor. But why would she have had the outfit? Maybe she always has it underneath. Maybe she, there is no naked Diana. She's it's like she's just, a never nude, basically. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, even uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's the the movie just has so many flaws and character wise and oh, absolutely. Now, my one of my biggest problems I had with the movie is that I could feel, well, I feel like I could tell what was directed by Snyder and what was directed by Whedon and where they tried to do a combination. Mm -hmm. um, if you remember a lot of the uh, earlier trailers, and granted, we all know that. Um, you know, during post-production, things change, and some things you see in a trailer are not done yet. Mm -hmm. However, this one was interesting because there were some scenes that you could see in the uh, first couple of the trailers that took place at night that in the movie 
take place during the daytime. Oh. And especially when you see a side-by-side comparison on YouTube, it's, like, shocking that things like uh, that final battle with Steppenwolf and the battle with Superman when he's freshly resurrected, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, I need to go back to just how weirdly morbid that was, that whole digging his grave up and everything. Right. But, um, yeah, in the early trailers, you could see that that takes place during nighttime. And all of a sudden in the movie, it takes place that it looks like it's at dawn. Well, see, and I think that's the whole, we need to stop making the DC universe so grim and dark. Like, every- But that destroys the tone of the movie because uh, especially with something like the costumes, uh-huh. they're meant for the Snyderverse uh, palette. And when you bump up the, the color on the, the saturation on them, Superman's costume was sparkling. Yeah, but I liked it. I thought the costume looked so much better this time around. It looked weird. It reminded me of like uh, of uh, Edward Cullen when he's in sunlight. Oh, jeez. So, I, and I have to say, I think Superman is probably the one thing they cut right this time around, other than the stupid yes, CGI surprisingly. face. Surprisingly. But yes, uh, yeah, and, and I don't know why they didn't just stick with letting him keep the beard and mustache, or, or mustache and having grow back a beard. in the black suit. Yeah, I don't or know. why they chose to have the mother box be the resuscitator instead of some kind of Kryptonian technology. Well, well that gets me to back to Batman v Superman. What's the whole point of the floating rocks around the, the grave if that didn't if he there was no way he was coming back until they put the mother box in there? Well, not only that, there's also a huge... Uh, I mean, unless I misinterpreted something, uh, if you remember back when Cyborg is talking about when he became Cyborg, mm-hmm. they say that it happened after Superman died. No, it shouldn't have had. I mean, we have the video file. Obviously, we do. But I distinctly remember, and of course, this could have been those four Irish car moms I had. <laughs> but I distinctly remember him saying that uh, after the death of Superman, they found the mother box, and that that it turned his the um, was it Victor Stone? Vic Stone, yeah. Yeah, it turned him into the cyborg, and that he's been like upgrading no, every day. No, he said the accident that that killed him and his mother, or that he the car accident that his mother died in, and he was in. That's when his his father already had the mother box inside the red room. Or I don't know. See, I'm also putting in stuff that I know from the comic books and stuff like that. But well, yeah, when you can fill in the blanks, that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's and that's the problem with this movie. It's got like, a lot of blanks. It's got a lot of blanks that comic book readers are filling in and then people that don't care about movies as much as say i do or you know whoever does they are just you know they are just seeing the big fights and the big explosions and you know stuff like that And you're just you're not realizing there's shit that i don't even understand what's going on yeah it's like they tried to make it nothing but money shots yeah it's like well what why do we care though um an interesting point to make about steppenwolf who is such a replaceable and forgettable villain in this movie the way he's portrayed from my understanding there's a much longer version of the movie that snyder was doing where you actually understand where Steppenwolf is coming from. And according to uh, the sources online that I was watching about, they state that Steppenwolf uh, basically is trying to take over Earth to regain his freedom. He's essentially a slave of Darkseid. And, uh, you know, because this was like his big defeat, uh, he's kind of trying to atone for that because it would mean that he would be able to break free from whatever kind of uh, servitude he's now under due to his massive failure of conquering Earth the first time around. But and why? See, that's my, my biggest problem with this whole movie is what is Steppenwolf's plan? 
He's, he he's, wants to, to terraform Earth, which apparently people have pointed out. Isn't that what Zod wanted to do? Yeah, that is exactly what Zod wanted to do. He wanted to terraform Earth? I didn't understand oh. that. I mean, I saw when he had the, the fucking three boxes together and the, the fucking vines or whatever the hell it was was growing over the middle of that fucking Ukraine or not Ukraine, but Chernobyl. Chernobyl yeah. yeah. That brings me to another point I wanted to bring up. Did you notice there was, like, no collateral damage in this movie? Well, yeah, they make it a point after Man of Steel to... You, you lose some Am- Amazonians, you lose a couple of Atlantean guards. I can't remember a single human being hurt in this movie. No. Not a single person. It's and Superman... all the major battles take place out in the open, where no buildings except for one that Superman carries to he, safety. He, he carries away with a whole bunch of people in it, assuming there's a whole bunch of people in it. That's, yeah, it could have been maybe three other people, for all we know. This was a very desolate... Like Russian and town, they, they make it a point to be. It's a very desolate place where there's and not I'm a like, lot of people. You're overcorrecting. Yes, they are. So much. They de- they most definitely are. And somebody, oh, some of my favorite reviewers, like Red Letter Media, I love because I how they can pull up so much stuff on these things on short notice. But uh, they made a point to say that this would work. Uh, I mean, the, the sooner you get away from the Snyderverse version of this thing and make it something more campy. Not like full on silly, but honestly, one thing that would have really worked for me is if they changed the color of Batman's suit from black to having the more like gray body with like the bluish uh, cape and cowl. Cape and cowl. That would have made such a leap in being able to kind of blend in the new lighter color and lighter tone and some of the humor. Um, Because Batman's not supposed to be quippy. You know, and here he was making jokes like almost every other scene he was in. Yeah. Like, he was like, wait, you can talk to fish, right? Like, <laughs> it was like, um, would that really be what he contributes to this? Yeah, you know, and and then they tried to do, they did the same thing with Superman. They made it so that he had all a bunch of quippy lines when he was in fighting, which is fine. I, I thought that was great. Um, okay, so... Uh, we did, we kind of spoiled some things in this little little mini review of that. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, but I want to definitely say there's a spoiler right now for the next two minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about the in credit scene real fast. Oh yeah. So one, two, three. Now they show up. You get you have you, they show you uh, the inside of Arkham, or maybe it's uh, Blackgate, or maybe it's uh, Bell Bellevue Bell Reeve. Sorry. Honestly, it was probably just Metropolis, like prison it, it didn't look it, like anything special yeah so uh luther is has escaped he has a person in there uh, impersonating him or whatever we find him on he's on his yacht the icon uh and the a person comes to join him it ends up being deathstroke it's joe manganello as deathstroke uh the name deathstroke's not mentioned he calls uh luther calls him slade and he says uh maybe it seems like they've went and started their team, what would you think about getting a league of our own? And then in my head, I heard Madonna saying, this used to be our playground. <laughs> Essentially, uh, I mean, it's it's implying that maybe if the Justice League gets a Justice League 2, we will get the Injustice Gang or uh, the Legion of Doom. I was thinking more Legion of Doom, just based on how I think it's going to go more in a campy way. Okay. So you know, honestly, I want to see Super Friends on the screen. That's what I, what I think could salvage this. I don't. I don't want to see that. I want to see 
Grant Morrison's run of JLA on the screen. That's exactly what I want to see. Well, then you need to get a talented director behind the helm. Then. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's it's. What did you think of that of Deathstroke showing up there? Um, it was completely unnecessary mm-hmm. because ultimately he did nothing. He mm-hmm. just was in one quick scene, and then he takes off his helmet. So there's no mystery to it. Only because we have to know that that's Joe Manganiello. Yeah. See, to me, and it was the wrong place to introduce that Deathstroke. Um, yeah. It should have been more like a Suicide Squad movie. And that's, you know, yeah, they should definitely have him in the Suicide Squad movie. But I also wanted to say that there's no, of all, we have four, up to this point, we have four DCU movies. Uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, and Wonder Woman. And Suicide Squad is not mentioned at all. Like, not even referred to at all in this movie. Like, no characters, no Amanda Waller, nothing shows up about that, which I thought was, I mean, it could be in the deleted scenes, but I thought that's a real disservice. Like, I don't like that movie, but it's part of your universe. You should mention it somehow. And that's who it should have been at the end. It should have been uh, Will Smith as Deadshot showing up there. You know, or the Joker should have been showing up there. To the, you have the Joker and Luther meeting up saying, hey, we should start a league of our own. Fuck yeah. Yeah, that would have been much cooler than whatever this crap was. Because you have Luther there to represent Superman. And you have uh, uh, Deathstroke there to rep- represent Batman. But Joker is the Batman villain, you know? And honestly, I mean, how much more work would it have taken for them to show, like, uh, let's say captain boomerang in his cell like you know he got bumped up to where now he can have a tv and he sees steppenwolf on the tv screen and says i'm not like going to fight that thing yeah just a reference like that yeah you could have had you could definitely have had that like because the whole point or you know they could have showed up at at the resurrection of superman because in suicide squad you have uh, the whole there's a whole line of like what happens if superman goes bad Thank God he's dead now. We don't have to worry about it. But what happens if he goes bad? If he would have went bad? Or, yeah, he we was need a one team of the good team. guys, yeah. but the next one might not be good. And... So you have Superman coming back to life, and he's doing bad things. Why wouldn't the Suicide Squad show up for that? I guess because at the uh, mid credit scene of Suicide Squad, Bruce Wayne told Amanda Waller to cut it out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, fuck that movie. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm done talking about it. Let's talk about Stranger Things. Right. Something good. Let's go. Something good. Stranger Things episode or season two, episode four, Will the Wise. Uh, I thought one of the interesting things about this episode is we got to see um, Eleven diving, delving into her past. You know, basically what she has found or what not what she found, but what Hopper found out about her in season one and maybe with a little bit more investigation between seasons that we didn't see, but uh, he had put all of his files into a box, all, that box all into a hole in the ground inside the cabin. Uh, and this is after she had already thrown a tantrum, broken all the glass in the in the cabin because she was upset that, you know, Hopper would want her to stay in the house and she wants to go out and live her life. Yeah, so she basically makes a big discovery about who she is and that Hopper has been lying to her all along about how her mom's not around anymore. And uh, yeah, so Eleven being the rambunctious uh, wild child that she is, 
is going to use this information to go and look for her mom now. You know, I forgot that uh, she refers to Matthew Modine's character as Papa. So when she says that to Hopper, she's like, you were, you're just as bad as Papa. And he's like, don't you ever compare me <laughs> to that guy. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, and then later on when she's flipping through the file and, uh, you know, she's like, Oh, Papa. And then she sees the next picture is of her mom. And then she goes into the, the void between, uh, the upside down in our universe where, you know, we, what she was meant to do the whole remote location or remote viewing astral projection, astral projection. She, she sees her mother and her mother sees her back. Oh, at least that's what they're kind of portraying. Yeah, I mean, in in the whole process of whatever it was that happened to her mother, like, my theory is that a little bit of her kind of remained in that area, and she just kind of became disconnected from her mind. So it kind of would make sense that if there is one place she can contact her mother, it might be there. Yeah, no kidding. Do you think... Now, I understand from what, what I can remember from the first season, they kind of just pumped the mom full of drugs while she's pregnant with 11 right well yeah they were experimenting with her and i think giving her things like lsd okay things like that so were they also trying to get her to do remote viewing um i don't think so i think they were specifically trying to see if they can manipulate the fetus okay so she was just kind of like there as the vessel but i think it was all about uh uh starting the kids from like birth up okay so she never had for our knowledge they never had her try and do experiments or anything like that um which would i thought maybe would have played into the whole fact that she saw 11 back but who knows yeah no i think it might have been a consequence of it but i don't think she was intended to be the one that would be the remote viewer okay um so another part of that is uh, Will, you know, after we saw him try and stand up to what is it we're calling it right now? The Thessal Hydra. The Thessal Hydra, uh, and it enters his body. Uh, we it sh- the episode starts right back up with him right in the middle of the field and everybody coming over there to try and wake him up as he's in a catatonic state, which we know he's in the upside down kind of. Uh, being attacked by the thing or entered by the thing uh he becomes a little bit sick he his body temperature is dropping his mother tries to uh get him to take a hot bath and it's just even though it's probably tepid or uh room temperature yeah water it's just too hot for him and he even refers to it as uh it's too hot for it or him or whoever else is inside of his body he says him yeah okay he doesn't like it hot. Yeah, he doesn't like it hot. Of course, then. Excuse me. Of course, then um, Joyce gets Hopper to show up once he finally answers his phone or his calls from the re- dispatch. Um, Hopper gets Will to kind of express what it is that he's been seeing or the feelings that he's having. And in their whole picture, I don't, what, like, what did you think? Like when I was watching that, that scene where he's drawing the picture, obviously I know just because of the way they're depicting it, 
that eventually it's going to be you have to put the pictures together to make the bigger picture. Right. But if you're drawing this out, if it was actually you drawing it out, why would you draw it that way? Why wouldn't you just draw the big thing into one piece of paper? Instead, you're drawing little pieces of the big thing on several pieces of paper. At one one at a time too, which means that you also have to remember where your last <laughs> picture stopped and your next picture is going to begin. It was like an ultimate amateur uh, jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, honestly, I think it was in a weird way. I think it was more meant to be a thematic callback to season one when Joyce uh, is putting up the lights. Yeah, when she like redid the whole house with Christmas lights and they had the Ouija board on the wall, basically, and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, this was like this season's version of that. True, um, but yeah, I could totally see like he wasn't even like numbering them or anything. No, like they just coming like, well, this one kind of goes here. Uh, I mean, and they weren't like the best drawings. No, it was more like impressionistic lines, yeah. I guess. So I mean, they had to make some leaps, I think, to kind of put them all together. And, and uh, I mean, then when you see it, it's just a whole bunch of. I would, you know, if I were to put that all together and looked at it, I would have thought tentacles at first. But Hopper jumps straight to tunnels and, or vines, I'm sorry. Uh, which then he puts two and two together. He's like, oh, the fucking pumpkins. And then <laughs> when they were out there taking, in the episode beforehand, they, they were taking sample soil samples and stuff like that. Did no one think to dig? Not deep enough, apparently. Apparently not. because yeah, it, it must be surface level. He went, yeah, he went and dug a little bit deeper. Oh, sorry. And uh, I, obviously there's holes big enough for him to be, fuck, or tunnels big enough for him to be, to, to fit down there. Enough for a grown man. Now, he thought they were going to be vines, but if it was vines, you would see the vines, wouldn't you? Well, they're... Was it more like tentacles or something? Because there was definitely stuff kind of like strewn about. Well, there. yeah, there's those. those. Yeah, okay, fair enough. There's those kind of vines. But it's like the ones that we see at the the place that Paul Reiser works at, the the hospital or whatever, that they're burning back. Yeah. But what would made the hole that big, big a tunnel that big for him to walk around in? Uh, well, there's definitely something doing some dig dug down there. Is it a Thessal Hydra? Actually, uh, it's no. The I think the Thessal Hydra is definitely still stuck in the uh, upside down. But um, I don't think we've seen all of Dart's relatives yet. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Because uh, we did get some more with Dart, too. and mm-hmm. basic- getting, getting a little bigger. Do you think that... Do you think that the Duffer brothers, or is it the Duffer brothers? I don't Duffer. Know, Duffer brothers. Do you think that uh, that was kind of a allusion to Alf? Because you remember in Alf, the old sitcom, yeah, Alf was was uh you know from the planet Melmac where they eat cats and they had a, yeah, they, it was they a had delicacy a for cats, yeah. And he was always uh, acting like he was going to eat the cat, and never did. But Dart. Eats the cat in this episode. Yeah. And I was going to say, the previous episode, the first moment that you see Muse uh, hiss at the the ghost trap, I was like, oh, man, that cat's a goner. Oh, I felt bad for the cat, too. I think it was also a reference to uh, to Gremlins. Do they eat the cat in the Gremlins? Uh, I'm pretty sure they eat a cat at some point. 
but also because it's a small, cuddly little thing that grows into like a monster. Yeah, I mean, obvi- yeah, I think that that was obvious in, in the in the last episode too. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure, if I don't remember correctly, um, there was some music for Gremlins. Yeah, in the I third episode, they used. That, yeah. yeah, we we talked about that. They kind of apropos, and this is kind of going back. We should have talked about this during the Justice League thing, but I did want to do a quick aside. Uh, how did you feel about the them including uh, John Williams' score and uh, Danny Elfman's Batman uh, hints in the score for Justice League? Uh, I, I I think that's the appropriate thing to do. I thought so too. I, I I think that was one of the things I would put as a highlight of the movie. Yeah. Of like, hey, we're gonna. That rem- was neat that they did that. Yeah, we're gonna remember cool. what came before and and yeah. kind of highlight it, but we're also doing our own thing. So that was that's yeah, that's good. I mean. And what we talk about a lot on this podcast about the whole nostalgia of everything. Yeah, homages. Yeah. I remember that. Therefore, <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah. What do you think of... Um, what's his character's name? Uh, Dustin. Dustin and this whole, and the whole dart. Uh, that's interesting because, you know, a smart kid wouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. So, but he is a kid. He is a kid, and even though he is a smart kid, he still the idea of finding this exotic animal or creature or whatever you want to call it, and is overpowering his intelligence. Well, I think it comes from a good place, though. He okay. was excited about a a creature he found. He formed a bond with it. You know, he was feeding it, taking care of it. I mean, I had to assume uh, E.T. came out in this universe. It would have come out earlier that year. Yeah. Two years. I thought it was 82 when that movie it was came 82? out. 82? Uh, Same year as... Uh, um, not Crystal Skull. What was it? Temple of Doom? Sure. I want to say. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, yeah. This definitely uh, is some sort of, like, I mean, at this point, they don't know what Dart is until what's his name points out. Until Will says, yeah. It's like uh, one of the things I spit out last year. (laughs) Um, But by that point, I think he just kind of feels kind of endeared to it. He doesn't want to hurt it, but then he's also kind of scared of it. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, he rightfully should be. Yeah. I mean, especially after it, you know, chows down elf style (laughs) on his uh, poor muse. What do you you think about the, the... the the gang referring to Will's power as true sight. Um, I I like that they use uh, Dungeons and Dragons conventions to kind of try to explain these things that nobody else would be able to understand. It's what kind of bridges the gap in the understanding. Like before the uh, the upside down was kind of partially explained to them by uh, their professor, their mm-hmm. teacher. I forget his name now. Um, uh, as soon as he started mentioning how that would work, they say, "Oh, like the shadow realm or That's whatever." That's true. It was. Yeah. Yeah. So, like it, in a way, their childlike innocence helps them and helps the audience also kind of understand the concepts that are being displayed, um, which I really like. I like how they correlate things to stuff that's in fantasy, and in my kind of meta observation, it makes me wonder, like, what if they make a reference that you know a lot of this stuff that they're really into that they follow in like Dungeons and Dragons manuals. Uh, you know, comes from a place where those creators have some sort of higher knowledge or understanding of the world and make a fantasy game out of it. And that's something that I'm really into. I like that kind of uh, trope in mm-hmm. uh, in my fiction. Hmm. 
Uh, oh, what was I going to go to? Uh, oh, okay. Let's talk about Nancy and, and Jonathan. They've come up with this brilliant plan of uh, they know that these people are listening to their conversations, so we'll get them to capture us and take us to their facility, which we'll, we're, we're then gonna video, we're, we're then gonna <laughs> tape and have them have confession on tape. Yeah, with almost no effort, they got Paul Reiser to monologue the whole situation. But also, they were throwing in there, don't you think? Wouldn't the the, the military or whoever like searched her bag for a tape recorder no apparently they didn't give them much credit and just thought they were dumb teens and i mean to their benefit because hey you know <laughs> that's how things like the nsa can be brought down apparently you know what's also also funny is i always i think it's hilarious how movies and tv shows always depict like something in a woman's bag is going to be able to record everybody's voices perfectly you know, through the bag and through the rustling of everything and, you know, the microphone. The microphone on that tape recorder can't be that great. Yeah, no, I don't think so. But, yeah, you this could hear was... Paul Reiser's voice, like, perfectly. Yeah, like he was holding it in his hand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's. I guess we have to suspend disbelief a little bit. I've tried doing that kind of thing in the past, like when I had a talk boy. <laughs> and, yeah, it doesn't work out that way. No. Not clearly. Um, I mean, maybe she was wearing a wire, <laughs> but that would be a little too high tech. No, I think we just kind of have to just go with the narrative use of it and not read too much into it, I guess. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, like, what, sure. It worked. Why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, Max and Billy. Billy sees Max walking around with Lucas after Max blows up on Lucas because, Hey, you guys either want me in your fucking group or you don't want me in your fucking group. None of this half-assed shit, you know, you can't walk away. Which I had to leave it to Lucas to be to to not caving and just telling her, you know, the whole fucking story at that point. Yeah. But uh it is also for her safety because if they tell anybody, the government or whoever is going to be, you know, have to deal with them. Now, in Billy's reaction, or overprotectiveness, I can't figure out if that's coming from a place of, like, you shouldn't be getting attached to anybody, and you need to stay away from these people, you don't know them, they don't know you, keep it that way, or is Billy just a raging racist? See, I think, I I thought I thought the exact same thing when I was reading, like, is he just upset because Lucas is black? And then that makes me think, like, you know, that was so smart on the on the Duffer Brothers' part to be, like, the one person in the group that's of a, of color uh, to be the one that that Billy sees Max talking to, you know, happens to be black and makes me think, you know, is there other motives or is it? Am I taking this at face value as he's just a raging fucking racist? I'll be honest, I don't think that whole question gets resolved. Really, that's yeah. interesting too. Because I was really like wondering that myself. I was like, oh, Billy, you bad boy, like don't be racist too. That's you don't have to take it to the nth degree of madness. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's I don't think it's really made clear. And I just kind of wondered, like, is it a racist thing? Or is this because because uh, kind of going back? I mean, this takes place in the eight, early 80s. Mm -hmm. um, there was still plenty of racism to go around There's in that time. Plenty of racism especially now. when you're like the only black kid in like a primarily all white school from the looks of it. 
uh, yeah, there'd definitely be some picking going on. Yeah. And, um, like, even I was kind of surprised with, like, the new It, uh, you know, remake. Right. Um, what was uh, the Black Kid's character's name on that one? I can't remember now off the top of my head. But him. Uh, Mike. They kind of pick on him, but they don't specifically say it's because he's black. Although in the original story, which took place in the 50s, it was definitely because he was black. So I don't know if that's just like, okay, we want to be nostalgic, but we don't want to be too nostalgic. <laughs> Let's just kind of leave that ambiguous and you can fill in the blank yourself. If you want to feel it's because he's racist, go for it. If it's for another reason. So in that sense, yeah, I definitely give credit to the Duffer Brothers for making it extremely ambiguous. Yeah. And it can go either way. It really could. Uh, anything else about this particular episode you wanted to talk about, bring up? I, I probably have skipped over something. Uh, well, yeah, it ends with uh, Hopper eventually realizing, let's go and dig in the cabbage patch or the pumpkin, pumpkin patch. patch. And uh, falls through and starts looking around. And, um, yeah, it's a whole series of tunnels, apparently, right under, underneath uh, Hawkins. That, uh, now, I know that you've already watched ahead and we've already talked about that. But to me, it makes me think, like, is he going to just, like, go straight over to... Paul Reiser's facility right now, grab Paul Reiser by the fucking head and just like drag him over to the pumpkin patch or what? Uh, I was trying to remember if that does happen. Cause that's what I would do. I mean, that, I mean, that's how I would no, write the character. I don't believe he gets very far. Oh, okay. I think there's things in there that, uh, kind of prevent him from see. And that's the, going too like, far. why would you go on ahead by yourself? At this point you go and get reinforcements. Anyways, that would be the smart thing. To do. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. With all that being said, if there's anything else anybody else would like to uh, talk to us about, you can find me on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John's also on Twitter as I am at Magic Bollocks. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Radio is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram, and Facebook.com backslash Geek Elite Radio. Check out our website, geekleetradio.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geekly Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.